Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is that going to start anytime soon? Yeah, remember how I said that I was going to just continue with being unprofessional? Mm-hmm. Back at it again. Back at it again. <sighs> I should have been a WWE host. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh shit! I should say your names first. I'm still unprofessional. <laughs> we have Chris. Back at it again. We have Mark. Hello he's there. Back. He's back at it again. <laughs> General Kenobi. And then we have your boy Skyler. Me. I'm back at it again. <laughs> I hate that and love it at the same time. That's what I'm going for. That's the whole idea surrounding this podcast is people that hate what we do, but they can't get enough of it. It's like porn. Welcome to Disingenuous, where the podcast with topics that matter and hosts that don't. You got to understand on this show, we believe taking things seriously is overrated. We like to drink, watch movies, and talk about random shit. If you find yourself relating to these activities, then, you know, we might just be for you. And maybe we entertain you so much that you want to know even more about us. If that's the case, please give us a follow on Twitter at DisingenuousPod. Still listening? Dope. Go ahead, pour yourself a cold one, settle in for the next hour, sometimes it's two, and get ready for this group of disingenuous ass farts. Someday you're going to be big enough to where you'll be driving down the road You'll see a bumper sticker that says, back at it again. And I'll be like, Skylar. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. But no one could ever know because my parents would hang me in shame. (laughs) (laughs) What does your son do? He's a fucking nerd and talks about movies and he talks about porn. Yeah, that would be him. I think that's that's the vast majority of us these days. Yeah, that's pretty much what I did. I did that anyways. (laughs) Uh, speaking of what we're doing these days, uh, Chris, we did like a news episode a long time ago, so this is kind of like, in a way, another news episode, but, uh, my, the space between two different news episodes, um, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, Mark made a good point before we started the episode and I guess we hadn't really had a discussion about it. We'd been reading the news, but the whole ordeal with AMC which now Regal's jumped in as well, not playing any Universal movies at their theater. Let's talk about it. I well think it's fucking dumb. First of all, what what's that? Uh, what is that risk here? What are some Universal movies? I think that needs to. Uh, okay, right, right off the. Idea. Chris is going to know right off the bat. First of all, me and him were most excited to see this spring. No time to die. First, yeah, it got and- bumped out to next November. Now it's bumped out completely. Now we won't get to see it in theaters because that's a universal so, movie. Bond is obviously going to be a big one. Huge. Yeah. Um, universal is kind of new to the Bond series too because it's still it's still made by MGM, but they've had like different distributors for the last couple of Daniel Craig movies. And Universal has stepped in for No Time to Die, and now AMC and Regal are just not going to show it, which is kind of unless they get that resolved somehow it's kind of screwing um eon and the uh you know the james bond people because they like 
they delayed it at first because they didn't want uh, to lose all the money that they could have made in China when uh, China was basically closed at the start of the coronavirus outbreak. And now it won't be as large as just losing an entire country, but now you're losing a bunch of theaters in the U.S. So it's basically you're, you're waiting six months to release your movie and facing the same challenges. Yeah. There are well, a few I, other big universal franchises, right? Jurassic Park. The Jurassic World and Jurassic Park's all universal. It was like the oh. Fast and Furious stuff all that universal? I, I believe, so. yes. Yeah. It, um, Fast 9 uh, next April, Jurassic World next June uh, 2021. Uh, the Halloween franchise is under Universal. So if they're still releasing... The, I guess Halloween two of like the new soft reboot or whatever it would be in October that would be affected. Um, there's not a, any other big franchise I'm seeing besides like oh actually what could if if this is an ongoing thing what could come into uh, play that would really suck is Nintendo and Illumination Film have made a con have you know, done a contract to make animated movies based off Nintendo properties. So that's not for another couple of years, but I'm looking, I'm just looking at a list of upcoming universal pictures films and 2022, they have, you know, a super Mario movie. So if this is still in effect by then, Nintendo and illumination are going to lose a lot of money if these theaters aren't going to take them. Here's the thing is, is it's, the conflict that started over the trolls movie of all things. Yeah. Fucking, but I fucking, yeah, the trolls, the, the, I already fucking hated him. Now I hate him even more. The reason that I think this is going to be bad is not for the studios. It's going to be for the theaters because they oh, released, absolutely. they released trolls last week. And I think it's already made over like a hundred million dollars on video on demand. So the studio is still making money. It's the theater now that feels that, the studio sort of going direct to the customer and not going into the theater for three months and then releasing. They're the ones that are sort of uh, undermining the whole studio theater relationship that's existed in Hollywood for decades. Yeah. I can't believe it's made that much money. You're just on video on demand because, well, the thing is, is the main problem with this, at least from my point of view is uh, you pay like $12 for a movie ticket to go see it in theaters. But you see it on the big screen, you see it in a theater, you get all of the aspects of, you know, the theater experience and concessions and it's a social event, et cetera, et cetera. And they're charging, you know, like nineteen ninety nine for you to rent this movie for 48 hours or something like that. It's to, to me, it's stupid because you're paying more money to get less experience but not if not you, if you're a family. That's, if you're that's like a thing, family though, of like, four or five, and you're paying twenty dollars for your movie experience, think true. of going to the theater, buying the tickets for for four or five people, getting the candy, getting the drinks, all that. That that's where they get you. I'm thinking of the individual experience, then I guess. But I, it's just weird that like you're paying twenty bucks for a movie that up to like I mean however many people you have in your family can enjoy, yet. Universal is still making a ton of money from this. So it's just like, I think the convenience of it is being seen by a lot of people, especially now 
uh, the, the convenience outweighs any cost that you could would probably have because you know twenty dollars a household equaling to a hundred million is pretty good. Well, and I think it's gonna eventually. I don't think this will last long, but I think what's gonna solve it is gonna be those movies that you want to see in theaters. Right now, parents are home with kids who got no idea what to do with them. So if you can rent Trolls Two or whatever. Um, that's that's an incentive just to get a movie in front of them. But if there's a movie like James Bond or like some of the other ones you guys just started talking about, people aren't going to watch that from or not going to want to watch that from home when they could go to a theater. That's I just, mean, that's something worth a poll because I mean, I, I don't know. Some people are fine with watching action movies at home. Um, I'm not one of them. Like I base the way I feel about a movie usually off my cinematic experience, and some stuff is so big that. Like, you have to watch it in a theater. Like, the way that I... Like, the Dark Knight movies, like, when Batman was huge, it was everyone was in a movie theater, and it was, like, a big event. Same with, like, the Avengers movies. Like, they're big events. And if you take that out of it, it's just like, oh, uh, Tuesday at 8 o'clock, I can watch this. Like, that's just... I don't know. Well, I totally agree with you on that point, but on the you have to look at the other side of it, too. Is like... I've gone on record amongst my friends and I think on this show too, that I am just tired of waiting for the next James Bond movie. I know, I know times have changed since the franchise started where you can't really make a new movie every one or two, one to two years, but this is the second time in Daniel Craig's tenure that he's had a gap of four or more years in between his five movies. And it's just, it's ridiculous. Daniel Craig's not, he's not itching to do more of these movies, but think of if he would have been able to get one out every two years, how old he would have been at this point, you know? Yeah, but the, the point I'm getting to is that, yeah, I want to see No Time to Die in theaters because it's going to be Daniel Craig's last movie and all these other mitigating uh, circumstances and whatever. But at this point, I just want to see the damn movie. So if Universal came out and said, we're going to release it like this Saturday or something like that, I'd buy in a heartbeat. Because I'm tired of waiting to see it. If I can, if I can choose one or the other right now, of course I'm always going to pick the theater. But that's not the case right now, and I just want to see the damn movie at, at this point. I'm tired of waiting to see it, especially now that it is done. It was scheduled to come out. It was everything was lined up. It, it's not like it's in, it's like in the middle of filming still. The film's done. I just want to see it. Yeah. It's tough because I don't know. I've tried to put it in perspective of uh, say like we switched years, say this happened in 2019 instead of 2020 and we would be dealing with this with Endgame. I would be so desperate to finally see Endgame that I would be like you and I'm like, I just want to fucking see it. I don't care if they release exactly. it or whatever. I'll go see it. But in hindsight, knowing what I know, the crowd reactions were so unbelievable. I wouldn't even realize what I was missing, I guess. Um, just because like I would be so sick of waiting. It's just a weird time. I mean, I feel like you have to put an asterisk to everything right now just because I mean people are so desperate for anything. But I don't know. It's just it's kind of it's at that point now where I knew that this whole theater thing could die out a little bit and it feels like now we're hitting it. Don't say that. <laughs> well, I don't know. 
I saw a post today. It's not directly related, but it is as far as like being there and experiencing it. But the post was about um, how someone would like give anything to pay for an overpriced beer at an MLB game right now. Oh, I would, yeah, I would, and- I will go there and spend fifty bucks on two beers and a hot dog with Fruit Loops on it, like they have at Progressive Field. <laughs> well, I, I was I thinking care. about like my over the past few years, I've started enjoying going out to these sporting events less and less just because of the hassle of the traffic and the cost and all these other things so you know the price of the food and the beer and everything but i think that this this whole situation is sort of forcing us to see like those things that we took for granted a little bit and i think now the theater experience the way that you're describing it is one of those things where of course you want to see the movie for what the movie is you're just interested in that but Endgame for you was so big because of the memories you have of being in the theater, seeing the reaction. And that's where, I mean, I think this will, this conflict will end when people push to see those certain types of movies in the theater rather than from their couch. Yeah. I think like a, a big tell will be like Jurassic world. Like there's another Jurassic world coming out with, it's got the OG cast in it. I mean, I, that's something like, Jurassic Park, like the original, is one of my favorite movies. I think that's my number one favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like those movies are strictly meant for movie theater. Like those, like that's that's what that is. like I I'll still watch them when they're on TV. Like I like I'll I love Goldblum, even the new ones. I love Chris Pratt. Like I'll watch them on TV, but it's not the same as. I didn't, I didn't know that theater. was one of your favorite movies. The original Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's essentially a perfect movie. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing's been able to keep none of none of the others in the franchise have been able to keep up. Um, and we talked about, you know, a few shows ago, I was talking about how I haven't seen Interstellar and I really, really want to. But part of it is keeping me from like, I wish I would have had that big screen experience. And that's for me, too. Like my I first time I watched Interstellar was in like my bedroom. I was in college and I just watched it in my bedroom on a little TV and I still loved it. But I remember halfway through the movie thinking, man, this would have been like breathtaking if I had seen it in theaters. Same with Dunkirk. Whenever I saw Dunkirk, I was like, this is good, but I'm not getting all the sound that they want me to hear. I'm not getting like the I was just about to say that the sound, because sometimes you'll watch a movie, especially if it's on like a television station, not on a DVD or Blu-ray where the picture feels a little bit off. Um, but the thing that gets me more often is the sound. If yeah. you can't hear dialogue because the music is too loud, it's not mixed right on TV. Those are things that you miss out when you're not watching it in a theater. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I remember we, like that happened to me with Spider-Man 2, the Tobey Maguire one. I remember in theaters, there's like a Doc Ock scene where it's like the whole theater's like rumbling because there's just so much bass. And then when I was so excited to watch it again at home and there was none of that rumbling and stuff. I'm like, oh, this is... Uh, this isn't as uh, big as I remembered it. Um, it's stuff like that that I don't want to lose. Because you still have it in the back of your head, but even when you're watching at home, you remember all the cool stuff that was. You know what I mean? Is he frozen? He's on frozen now. You were you eating were frozen. meat and you froze. I froze? Yeah. I, <laughs> I am sitting here professionally muting myself. For each bite of these gravy fries. Gravy fries. Yeah. Like you a poutine what? fry. 
I'm glad you brought up gravy fries because this is actually you unintentionally made a great segue in this conversation, and I think that's actually hilarious. That's why I Um, keep coming back because we're talking about sound and picture and crowd and experience and all that shit. Of course, like that's that's the stuff we're talking about that everybody probably thinks of when you think of the debate between the two. But maybe what gets lost in it is like concessions and stuff. Um, much like a baseball game, like. Yeah, I can go heat up popcorn, and, and I have like a popcorn maker in the studio. Um, but it's just not the same as going to a movie theater and getting nothing. Nothing's load- better than movie popcorn. Yeah, like getting loaded up, and then like uh, getting a Coke that's the size of your forearm, and then um, sneaking shit in. And I don't know. I just, and especially now with Regal. The a local theater by us. I mean, they've gotten daiquiris and beer. And when we saw Infinity War the second time, we were drinking beers. Um, that's something else that like I don't want to lose the consent. Like the the, I don't know. It's there's so much more that goes into it than just like ticket sales. Um, because I mean, it's almost like you're going to another version of a restaurant too. And the money you would lose there as well would be a lot. Not I think to mention, this... I'm a whore for souvenir cups and souvenir <laughs> popcorn bowls too. So the you'd be missing tins. on that. Yeah. Oh, I I got a collection of them, and there's plenty of people. Every time we would go to a big premiere, Chris, did you or did you not see shit ton of people like us buying the tins? Oh yeah, I, yeah. I bought them all the time. Yeah. What are you gonna do with that? I have it on display. Store things, but you're not using it. You're not like at home making your own popcorn, putting it in your movie tin. I may or may not have done that one or two, one or two times before. You Either should. way, though, it's cool to look at, though, too. Like it's it's uh, like it's like having a poster like or art. It, it's well, it's kind of like if you're a physical collector like myself and Chris, like it's the same as having posters or movie um, or Blu-ray covers and stuff. It's just another piece of memorabilia for it. I'm but, not. I've never <laughs> never been able to be the collector. Did you collect football cards, baseball cards, Pokemon cards? No, not really. None of them. Yeah, but even those, I don't, I don't have. I don't display. I'm, I'm a very. Uh, does this bring you joy? If not, it's going in the trash. Well, this stuff brings me joy, so I keep it. That's fair. I guess that would be the. I guess that would be. I think that's hoarding. I don't know. I'm down with it either way. But there's yeah. a fine line between collecting and hoarding. Yeah. You just gotta stay on the right side. Yeah, right now I'm I'm kind of like well this quarantine thing I'm I'm a little on the uh, hoarding the hoarding but you know it'll get better. Uh, but yeah, but like with the, yeah, but it's like the, the tins, the popcorn, the candy, the drinks. Um, there's a fucking arcade too that's just for fun. Like, uh, and then now you I mean you've got the reclining seats. I mean you've got everything you could possibly need. It's just not something I want to see go away. It's an experience I look forward to. Um, I mean, if you're having kind of a blah week at work, you kind of know like, hey, Thursday night, man, 7 o'clock, I'm going out getting some food, and I got stuff to do with my friends. You know what I mean? It's it's not something I want to see disappear. It's not the same as well, being like, well, Bachelor comes on at 7 o'clock on Thursday. Like, I mean, moving into the future, we're all adults here. I mean, we we can remember our first sporting experiences, what it was like to be in the stadium or our first oh, yeah. theater experiences. So for this current generation of kids, if we do start moving towards this video on demand, watch it at home on Amazon Prime for new release movies, they're going to miss out on some of that experience. 
Well, yeah. Well, I, like, I remember my first movie I ever went to go see was like James and the Giant Peach with my grandma. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Chris. Go ahead. But yeah, but no, I know exactly what you mean. That's where my memories come from, is seeing things with somebody. I just think that it's important and it's, it's an extension of um, the physical media group of people and the collector group of people, et cetera, et cetera, that while technology is great in a lot of aspects, it does threaten to change. And maybe it's just because I'm terrible with change. It threatens to change things that a lot of people have enjoyed for a long time. And you have, you know, old cartoons being forgotten and CDs being, you know, thrown in the trash for digital files and et cetera, et cetera. And it's kind of easy to forget that the most important example of that sensibility is the movie theater. Because, yeah, I can be like, I prefer CDs or I prefer vinyl. And it's like, well, that's great. Who cares? But, the <laughs> well, you can make an you can make a case that you know listening to something on vinyl is a different experience than listening to it on your phone. Oh, I hear. But plenty of people say that. But on a on a grand in a grand like a grander stage of that, the movie theater is like a formative experience in any person's development and continued enjoyment of entertainment. And it's great that we can get movies you know video on demand and spend a couple dollars and have a digital file of it forever you know until that you know whoever's housing that digital file collapses or goes bankrupt but uh there's i mean we talked about it with avatar we talked about it with with jaws and you just brought up with jurassic park seeing a movie in a theater for the first time is a wholly different experience than watching it on your phone or watching it on your TV in your bedroom on, on demand. Well, plus, it, it's it's like it's like um, I have a lot of digital files of movies, and you know you can get you can go to YouTube and find any song you want and et cetera et cetera. But I've always viewed those things as not you know the better thing, but the more convenient thing to have in conjunction with like the actual physical form. Because, like, I love having, like, a digital movie, but if I really, really enjoy it, I want to have it. Well, yeah, we'll never, you never di- know when it's going to go away. When the digital goes away, it doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter. You, you have it, like, in your possession at all times. That, that's already happened with uh, certain movie streaming sites. It's already sort of happening with iTunes now. Everybody that's bought their collection of music on iTunes, now that it's switching to, like, Apple Music, you just lose everything. Yeah, you still have your collection, I think. But if you don't pay for the streaming service, how are you listening to it? So if you didn't buy the CD or you know whatever, then you're kind of screwed. The other big it's thing. Like, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Skyler. I was going to say, uh, I, go ahead and finish your point because I was going in another direction. Well, it's just I I still have like yeah I have a, a lot of collections, a lot of stuff, and do I need all of it? Absolutely not. But. I treasure having a, you know, a movie collection. I treasure still having, I am looking at it right now. I have about, you know, 50 some CDs. I like having the music that is mine. You know what I mean? Without paying $10 a month for it. It's just, maybe it's just like holding on to like those old sensibilities and that's fine. I don't really care, but like 
I don't. I guess the whole what I'm the whole of what I'm saying is on this particular topic. If I can watch a video on, if I can watch like a movie on demand, that's great, and I'll do it. It's convenient, but I don't want the actual experience of like seeing it in the theater to ever go away. Like people talking about the theater going away, it's just asinine to me. Well, yeah, and the the other thing is it's like your limited experience of it. Like you see it once and you might not, unless you pay the money to go back, you're not going to see it again for four or five months. You know what I mean? So, right. Like it allows stuff to sit with you a little more. It's, 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 it's like, to, it's the same as a play too for me that, cause like we, I have friends that like love to go see plays. Um, yeah. It's a very similar thing is like, they love to go to whatever theater is putting on the performance. It's a concert. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's all it, to me. That's all the same thing. Because, sorry, it's just like I I just, it's just on my mind. I don't want to forget it. You, we still talk about going to see the Dark Knight or Avengers or whatever because that was an event. You're not. No one's gonna remember. Hey, remember the first time we watched Avengers Endgame on our couch? Yeah. No, you don't. The only reason you would remember that is a reason that you would not be watching the movie at all. And I have those <laughs> memories. <laughs> well, and right now, I mean, we're talking about the conflict with Universal. What if it was a different studio? What if this was Disney? What if it was Warner Brothers? You know, If it were, if it were Disney, I'd be losing my shit. Well, and they're, they're one of the players in the industry right now who they have a platform now. They could very easily start releasing movies on demand. But I'm what gives me Disney. faith... What gives me faith to not worry about Disney is they just had a movie make almost $3 billion because it was released in theaters. So That's true. That, I, and the fact that I was just, what, just a year ago, um, I don't think that, I think they obviously know the value of getting people out into a theater. So I'm, I'm surprised Disney's not also caught up in this controversy, though, because of Disney Plus. Because, yeah, I think the two big ones i'm thinking of are frozen 2 and onward and they were both in theaters for maybe frozen 2 was in it for its usual theatrical window but they made frozen 2 and onward available a lot earlier than they would have normally been because they have the platform to do it and they're getting around that and succeeding with it and getting people to subscribe to disney plus while you know the theaters aren't making money because they're not open and yeah. I don't think you said that theaters not being around or not being the same that they've always been is kind of uh, asinine. I don't think that that should be taken as lightly because look at last year with the Oscars and think of movies that were released on Netflix and actors and actresses that were nominated for Oscars that they were never in a theater. There were movies like The Irishman and Marriage Story that, that had huge critical success and that was released direct to home. It's like the it's the one and done NCAA rule for movies is they'll Netflix will release a move a movie like The Irishman in select theaters in New York and Los Angeles for like two or three weeks just to qualify for the Oscars. So they they get a, I, I I understand what you're saying, but they release it in theaters on a technicality to get it like recognition without having to actually pay theaters like they'll 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 pay like some theater in Los Angeles that's famous, like a cut of whatever revenue they get, but they're not paying to AMC or Regal or uh, Cinemark or Air, anything like that, like the normal companies do. And then Netflix makes a ton of money off people 
subscribing to their service. My point was exactly that, though, is that you have the money coming in from the, the subscription revenue. But the fact that you can very easily release a movie direct to video and it still is going to receive that same critical claim, whether or not it ever appeared in a theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it is an extraction. Another one that's gotten like a shit ton of success on Netflix, too. Chris, well, I I think that's um, I haven't seen it yet, but I I just I've seen stuff about it. It was like um, its first week or first weekend or something like that. Netflix reported ninety million households engaged with that movie. Yeah, I don't know if that means they turned it on and completed the movie or they just turned it on or whatever. But ninety million households watched that movie. That's incredible. Yeah, and it's. It's extra right now because of the pandemic and people. Well, don't everybody's go home, right? That's what I'm saying. There's right? an asterisk it's, to all of this. But still, it's th- that's a lot of people to to watch a new movie. There's, people are so starved for entertainment. Just that, to name a few of the movies in the past couple of years that have had uh, Oscar nominations that were on Netflix: The Irishman, Marriage Story, The Two Popes, uh, Roma was was one. Uh, the Ballad of Busker Scruggs. There was Icarus. So there are all sorts of movies that have, have been on demand that have been sort of in that upper echelon of movies when it came down to Oscar season. I think the Academy, if they want to maintain relevance, even though they don't really have that much at this point, as much as I hate to say True. it, because there's, there's a tremendous history in that award show. I know it's an award show, but there's tremendous history and revelry and all that crap in it. Nobody but, even wants to host it anymore. But they have to adapt or die because if if they want to say, oh, the Irishman can't be, or you know, Marriage Story can't be nominated for Best Picture because it didn't actually release in the theater, they're going to get backlash for it. And it, they should consider any movie on any platform to be eligible for any of their you know super, superfluous awards be, to maintain relevance. Yeah, for the Academy to maintain any sort of legitimacy, it has to be able to consider every movie. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was clicking something. I, we have ten minutes left in the meeting. Just let you know. You know. Also, I just thought of this. I could have mentioned this earlier but about like experience, but I actually watched Extraction um, last week. I think it might have been like Wednesday or Thursday. Um, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool. Extraction is cool." But it would have maybe had a little more punch if it had kind of that sound and crowd reaction that I just don't get at home watching it by myself. So that's just another added thing. Now, I don't know that much about that movie. Was that a movie that was a Netflix original, like it was going to stream, or was it going to be in theaters? I think it was always going to be a Netflix thing. Because, I mean, okay. it was it was a first-time director. Um, yeah. I know the, Joe Russo, I think, wrote it, but the director was actually one of the stunt guys who did some of the uh, Avengers movies. Um. He'll end up doing so more now, but they didn't have to like adapt to just stream it. It was always going to be that way. No, it must have always been a Netflix thing because I don't ever remember hearing word of it being anything else. Yeah, I mean, usually, usually when they slap Netflix on it, as much as they did in the marketing, that means it was always a Netflix like original. So, sorry, I'm a couple seconds late on this, but you mentioned Joe Russo. Uh, I'm not super knowledgeable when it comes to Hollywood and directors and producers and all that kind of thing. But we were talking about Arrested Development on our last show. And 
he was the director for the episode. I'm like, is that the same guy? I had to look it up to see if that was him. Yeah, uh, him and his brother made the Avengers movies. And the, you know they're from Cleveland, right? Well, I knew that. I obviously knew that they did the Avengers, but it was when I was sitting down watching Arrested Development, seeing his name pop up, that I had to look up his, uh, his what is it? Not discography. What would it be? Videography. Filmography. There you go. Filmography. Yeah, I think him and his brother got to start by making like a festival movie about a neighborhood in Cleveland. I want to say. I didn't know that. Welcome yeah. to Columbine. Or, or, or Col- welcome to Collinwood. Collinwood. Welcome to Collinwood. Something like that, yeah. They they um they directed a bunch of episodes of uh, Community too. Did did they not? Oh yeah, their most. I think that's the thing they had their hand in the most was Community. That's why the Community actors are always in the Marvel movies. Yeah, and cameos. Yeah, or if, whatever. You, if you watch all the MCU movies, you'll find. And I just was watching uh, Spider Man Two yesterday on TV, and I completely forgot that Joe McHale was in the scene. Yeah, oh, somehow yeah. somehow with less hair than he has now. I don't know. Yeah, he looked older. <laughs> he was yeah. like the one of the the bank manager, whatever. He's I was made trying to open an account. Yeah, I was watching that the other day, and it's still so jarring that they have that whole scene where Aunt May's like, "I don't, I can't get a loan, and I'm so poor, like in the bank or whatever." And take this Spider-Man. money. <laughs> yeah, Which, Spider- and- Spider-Man is or Peter's just sitting by her like, oh, sorry. And then they like abruptly cut right behind him and Doc Ock is right there at the vault and rips it off. It's just such and nobody abrupt, hears it. It's until such it's a being thrown cut. at him. Yeah. It's yeah. just it was jarring. It was very we, strange. We were watching it and Doc Ock is just whipping the bags of money at Peter. At, at yeah, he's wasting all the fucking money that he well, needs. And my fiance goes, why would the bank only have bags of change? Why is none of that <laughs> cash? Because cash isn't very cinematic. No, also, it's not asphalt. The other part that gets me is when they're on the clock tower. Or no, they're not in the clock tower. Somehow the fight in the bank goes up a building. And yeah. at one point, uh, Aunt May's like, shame on you, and hits him with a cane or some yeah. shit. And I'm like, it oh, breaks my. His sunglasses. Yeah. Uh, I still love it, but man, it, it is very dated. <laughs> I, just, I still like can't. I, I, I always say I like the first one a little better, and it's partly because I hate the train scenes so much. What? Not the fight on the train. Oh, okay. But after, not the fight, but at, afterwards. Oh, the, the Jesus carrying him in. The Jesus carrying and then the little kids. We found something. So we you won't mean, tell. When Toby, when Toby Maguire literally him. stopped a train, that wasn't uh, CGI. He actually stopped that train. <laughs> <laughs> I th- You know what, though? For, for looking back on those movies, even though Spider-Man 3, I know we like it for sort of the campiness of it. Okay. Um for as bad as Spider-Man 3 was, though, each oh, so and every bad. one of those movies has a great actor playing the villain. Because you go from uh, Willem Dafoe to Alfred Molina to uh, Thomas Hayden Church. Thomas Hayden Church. Church as Sandman. Every one of them has a, a great actor being the main villain. Mark, I, I know that you don't agree with me on some of these, but that's a that's a trait that carries throughout all the Spider-Man movies. Uh, Reese Iffens playing... Uh, the Lizard and The Amazing Spider-Man. Dane DeHaan was great as Harry Osborn until he got a little manic as Green Goblin. Not his but fault. then I still think I've said it before. The, Paul Giamatti, best, though, you gotta, you gotta, oh, you yeah, gotta that say was, that he's out. I'm going main was, villains only. Okay, good. But uh, that was so bad. But I still say that about the MCU Spider-Man movies is Michael Keaton's Vulture and Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio were the highlights of those movies. Like that, that's been a recurring theme throughout all the Spider-Man movies, which is great because they've got the villains at least mostly correct in all those 
it's three franchises now. I know kind we don't have a lot of time to uh, dissect the new Spider-Man movies, but one of my least favorite things in Homecoming was that, uh, what's his ass, Vulture, had to be tied to Tony Stark somehow. Well, of course. So, yeah. so did Mysterio. Yeah, I, I hate that. I, I could do yeah. without that. But besides that, but Michael yeah, Keaton and his everything. performance and Jake Gyllenhaal and his performance were definitely bright spots in those two movies. Keaton being the better, I would say. Yeah. Oh yeah, he still was. But I was, I've just never been a fan of Jake Gyllenhaal for some reason. Not saying that he's terrible or anything. I just like I've never gravitated towards his movies, and I really, really enjoyed him in Far From Home. You need to he was watch. Fantastic in it. You need to watch Nightcrawler, and you need to watch Prisoners. And maybe that'll yeah. change your mind about Jake Gyllenhaal. No, I don't think that he's bad. I've just, I've just never have really. You'll get more seen a movie. I've never really seen a movie coming out and be like, yeah, I need to see that because you know Jake Gyllenhaal's in it. You know what I mean? Skyler, are you telling us that you are interested in Jake Gyllenhaal? Very interested. Hey Jake, give me a call. Your hair's really long and cute. I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> yeah, the first Gyllenhaal movie I ever saw was The Day After Tomorrow. <laughs> so <it was. laughs> yeah. That's also my first experience with Emmy Rossum. I've now seen every single bit of Emmy Rossum there is to see because I watched Shameless. So, oh, how far we've come. Has that washed the uh, taste out of your mouth of uh, Dragon Ball Evolution? No, nothing ever, nothing ever will. Nothing ever will wash Not the even taste all out of that, mouth. all the bits of Emmy Rossum that you've none seen in Shameless? It. None of it can wash that taste out of your mouth. He's in, uh, Justin Chatwin's in Shameless too. Chris, you always told me, like, in, in your grand scheme of terrible movies obviously dragon ball evolution is up there so um, but every time you say the name of that movie i think of the legend of chun Li, which you also always bring up when you're talking about bad movies the, i get them twi- not i know which one's which but i get them combined in my head because they came out the same year and i saw them in theaters like relatively like close together but and they're they also have the common thread of being absolute shit so it makes sense how many uh, how many Twitter subscribers we got now? Seventy five. What you need to do set up uh, some sort of way for them to donate money to this <laughs> terrible show so that we don't get cut off after forty minutes on Zoom. Like Patreon. Yeah, and maybe you you'll have to do some additional things to earn that money. But you've I never thought, been a man of morals. I thought right. we were. Uh, I'll show my tits. I thought we were starting an OnlyFans. Yeah, no, we are. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I've. I've been really mastering the art of edging these days, um, and it's all that, about just like playing with your genitalia. Like it's like that so is strange. high quality content, right? I there. don't think I've been on an episode <laughs> yet where you didn't mention edging. I think it's come up in every one. It's all the talk these days, or JOIs, <laughs> or step sibling sex. Jesus, what's that? You've been spying on me for an hour? Well, I suppose we should just do it now. <laughs> Help, my arm is stuck in the sink. My favorite was someone had put an article that's like, porn is dangerous because people begin to believe it's real life. Never, ever would I ever believe that that could happen. Ever. <laughs> I remember seeing one where... Like, no? <laughs> time out, time out. <laughs> That's a great lead-in to your story. Is I remember seeing one. How did you see this? Did you stumble upon it? Were you deep into a search? I 
Don't remember. Let me retract that statement. <laughs> You're not going to tell it at all now? Come no. on. I'm waiting for it. No, continue. Oh, it was something like... Uh, like... This guy's daughter's friend is over waiting for the daughter or something, and she gets stuck on the toilet or something. <laughs> and he, like pulls her off and then they do it it was no i just thought of it because it's the most ridiculous like storyline i could think of like that would never happen in real life Nothing you know more what romantic than that me and fudge have talked about it on the show you guys should partake we want to rank our top five like favorite um plot like porn plots because there's like if you go on youtube there's like i'm the cook have you seen i'm the cook mark no, that sounds like a Steven Seagal movie. Though. Oh, I'm gonna send it to you. <laughs> this like this dude cook. walks just in as an agent and just beats the shit out of these guys, and this girl with cum all over her face is tied up, and she's like, "Who are you?" And he's like, "I'm the cook." But it's like that's Steven Seagal, dude. No, you need you need to watch it. And then they have the one. Have you seen the bathtub? No. There's this porn actress who's dressed as a lifeguard, and she's like blowing a whistle, like you need to get out of the bathtub. And he's like, "What?" But it's a bathtub. Like it's like the acting. Um, it's fantastic. Oh, I'm gonna send you a link to all these, but we want to rank them because like the plot. Some of these well, plots the, are amazing. The classic is the lemon stealing whore. The lemon stealing whore. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> I I don't know. I love our about. lemon tree. <laughs> yeah, what? it's like it's like this guy and a girl are sitting sitting outside, like <laughs> admiring their like lemon tree. And what is it, Tyler? Like the this girl I love our lemons. lemons. I hope no one steals our lemons. And then some porn star starts stealing their lemons. He's like, "Hey!" She's a lemon stealing whore. I think she's dead. So pour one out for the lemon stealing <laughs> whore. Uh, but it's oh my god, <laughs> they took those lemons seriously. Yeah, they did. Someone in that past fudge knows all about it for whatever reason. Um, and then what? our other our other favorite reason. is this dude making pizza. For his girlfriend's family, and he like cooks their pizza, but then he cuts a hole in it and puts his dick in it. And he's like, "I hope you like it big sausage style." And then like the grandpa has a heart attack, and then like they're like, <laughs> "Real nice choice of boyfriend, Becca, or something." I don't know. It's like, uh, they're the best. This is all getting cut, right? I don't know. I'm trying to decide. <laughs> Some of it is gold. I'm gonna send Mark. I'm sending you these links in case I don't cut it. I'm gonna keep using your name. I'm so I'll send you. You need to see the lemon one, and you need to see I'm the cook. You know, if I tuned in to this podcast under the guise of talking about this movie theater conflict... Then this is the end of it? If I had ever listened to another episode, I would know exactly that this is what was going to happen. This so, is where it ends? I don't know that it's, it has to be cut. It's important to take yourself serious, but never too serious. We live by that every day. True. Never more than my current fun employee's self. But um, back you call to, it fun, fun employed. Yeah, fun employed. That's what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had another take on the movie theater industry, and now I'm trying to remember what I wanted to say. Oh, okay. So we're talking about this an opportunity. This seems to be an opportunity where VOD would take over. Um. Obviously, they're jumping on the opportunity, but do you feel like because of the social distancing thing that we're probably going to be practicing for what you'd say the next year to two years? Do you say we'll have to be doing this? That's oh. the latest I've seen. Yeah. 
at least would, a year. Wouldn't this be an opportunity for drive-ins to try and get in on the action? I would think so. If you, if you can stay in your car with the people that you've been close to anyway, why not? And what if, say, that's like, what if you opened some of these movies by releasing them exclusively drive-ins? I know they wouldn't do that. That's super far-fetched, but I mean, that would be something, I guess. I think the time is right for drive-ins to swoop in and try to make some of this money that the theaters are going to be losing. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. That that might be like the best like first step to getting movies back to a sense of normalcy is to open the drive-ins first. But the problem is, is there's I don't know. There's not like a shit ton left. Like it's not like I mean for us it's easy. I can name you two that are right by me. But yeah. for for some people in other areas, you might say, well, they're only releasing at the drive-in. I don't have one by me. That's the problem. I think last week or maybe two weeks ago now. I came across an article about a drive-in in a southern state. I can't remember which one that had made up the entirety of the nation's box office because they were the only one that was open and reported wow. their their numbers. Really, that's crazy. So there, I mean, there are already places where drive-ins are open or are opening. It's going to be a lot easier to keep that distance than it would be if you're in a movie theater because then you have to consider how many seats do I need to block off for sales to have people mm-hmm. sitting apart from each other and sports are going to have that same problem. Once we start letting people back into stadiums, uh, it's going to be like at 25% capacity is what the Florida governor just said, wow. you know, that that's the maximum that they can sell to ensure that people are at a certain distance. And see, that's the thing is I'm thinking like when I go to the grocery store now, we're either getting it. Well, I mean, or when I get groceries, I should say, because sometimes they're getting dropped off. But then other times I'm pulling up to a spot and they're bringing the groceries out to my car. Um, it's kind of the same thing with movies. So you can keep going to see movies, but you stay in your car. It's kind of a similar thing. But the difference is, is you're going to a drive-in. You're not going to, say, the Regal Theater that is losing we, all the business. We may see a, a small resurgence in the drive-in theater in general because, especially in states that can handle them being open year-round with warm weather, you could see um, maybe more being built just from scratch just to meet the demand that people want to have without using theaters. Let me ask you a hypothetical that's not movie-related. I've seen things about uh, some of the... What is it called? You know, you got, like, the the PlayStation with the... The VR? VR. VR, thank you. I'm like doing charades over here. Um, if, Donkey, uh, skateboard. If sports teams invested in cameras for VR, would you, a paying customer, pay for a stream of that camera's view within the arena if they weren't allowing fans in? I, I probably would, but again, like rather than just watching the TV broadcast, if you could get like a VR view from, you know, maybe even half court sitting down, you know, courtside, would you pay for that experience of like having the views and the sounds in a VR experience? I'm so deprived right now I would. But the problem is the limited amount of people that own the VR. Unless maybe you could boost the VR sales now by having people who are like, I'm so desperate, I can't, like, I want to just watch it. I don't know, I might. And the same I- goes for, there's uh, talks, I don't know if this exists yet or if, it might 
where there are virtual realities where you can watch movies in a theater. Um, what if you could do but that? There's talk That's where that I was going. there's talk that you could get other people to join in, much like playing PlayStation uh, PlayStation Online or like Xbox Live. You'd have people join into that VR experience and do it with you. I would do it now, but again, everything like I said, like with an asterisk earlier, everybody's so desperate for just anything that feels like normalcy that I would do it. It'd have to be right. fairly reasonably priced, whatever that may be. I don't know what it would be. I hadn't thought that far ahead, but it was something that I came across. And if you could apply that to movies, would you watch a video on demand watching it from your couch, but with the VR experience of feeling and you know hearing like you're in a theater? I would for the first time just to see what it was like, whether it would work, whether people would get disoriented. I don't know. Well, I it don't could, want you could, out there watching Cloverfield or something. Yeah, it could end up being like my first time seeing Spike at 3D in theaters where I'm just super sick. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> what year was that? When did that fucking movie come out? I'm even... looking it up. Yeah. <laughs> Spike Kids. I'm surprised 3D. Chris doesn't know. Yeah, he normally he's got... Spike Kids 3? Are you kidding me? I, you know what? 3D. I, game over. Say it right. Just to test your knowledge, I the want first you to one. take a guess. The first one was, because we saw it in theaters. I remember it. It was oh, the first too. one was like two thousand or two thousand one, I think. Which would mean the second one would be like two thousand three, two thousand four. Jesus. So I'm gonna say the third one's what, two thousand six, seven. You were you were on it with two thousand three. That was the third one was two thousand three. Yep. So they, what do they do? Make one every year. Like a Bond movie, I guess. <laughs> Rodriguez can pump that shit out quick. Um, per- pertaining to the VR thing, though, I think it'd be um, for for movie theaters. It would be another thing where, like, like a digital, like how I was talking about having a having a digital copy of a movie. It's cool and it's convenient, but it doesn't beat the actual experience. So that's no. the thing where it's like, like on the first try, be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like I tried out or anything. For sports, though. I don't think I would pay to get a virtual view of a seat at an arena because to me, going to a sporting event and watching it on TV are two totally separate things to me. So I'm already used to watching baseball or basketball or the NFL like on TV. And if there's no fans there, it'll be weird. Like, um, like WWE is doing shows without fans and it's really kind of strange, but it's still like, the same kind of show i could watch uh, maybe open air stuff like mlb would be kind of strange but i wish the nba was around right now or the nfl because i'd still watch it as it currently is on tv without fans and not you remember a few years ago uh right after there was a, a very controversial police killing in baltimore the baltimore orioles were playing a home game it was like a thursday or something day game and there were these protests going on throughout the city about this police killing. And the Orioles had to close the stadium down. They didn't admit any fans. And they aired that game with nobody in the audience. And I think that that sort of eerie feeling of the, the huge stadium that they had yeah. there with no one in it, that's what it would feel like. But again, I would take sports with no audience over no sports. Exactly. And the NBA players, you know, LeBron has come out and said multiple times, he doesn't want to cancel the season. And he said he doesn't want to play in front of no fans, but what is the alternative? 
wouldn't wouldn't he rather like com- complete the season as it was suspended for one year and then hopefully have fans in the next season instead NFL, of just never doing it? The NFL is moving forward with plans to have fans in the stadium, and if they aren't there, then they aren't there. They're going to play. That's the, the attitude that they're taking. And as a television watcher, I'm okay with that. I still want to watch my team every week like i don't really care if they're because i don't give a shit about the seven, the seventy thousand fans that are there yeah it's noise in the background but to me watching on tv i don't care i just want to have the sports with the wwe i mean that's something that, that we've kind of shamelessly watched for years and years i'm oh, started i'm starting to get used to the broadcast when they have like monday night raw or friday smackdown on fox mm-hmm. i'm getting used to the way that they're presenting it and for the first few weeks, they had to adjust to – it was just so bizarre with no fans. It really took you out of it. And for, I mean, you know, professional wrestling, it's it's not the same as sports. But I think that for those first couple games, they would have to sort of tweak and see what, what works and what doesn't with the presentation. And maybe you do have audio. You have, you know, microphones closer to the field where you can hear things you wouldn't necessarily always hear. And, and that would be an attraction at the very least. Yeah. And they they could tape delay it too, so you're not hearing anything that they don't want to, want you to hear, like they were doing with the the XFL on ESPN. Oh yeah, there's great compilations on YouTube you can find of like NFL players just swearing in the middle of a broadcast, and the broadcaster's <laughs> like, "Oh, sorry about that." Oh, technical well, difficulties. Now, now that you brought up WWE, though, it does make me think how he said, "I don't care about the fans," but I never cared about the fans being in the audience for any of the. WWE events before this because they're, they're just people like looking at the at the ring and they're just kind of like just faceless and whatever and I don't really care about them but you did notice when they were gone yeah and it took, and it's it took getting used to you're you're absolutely going to notice that in any sports game but again if if you could tell me in a month we'd be seeing some NBA games playing in Las Vegas or Disney or whatever site I'd, that they proposed I would watch it. it up yeah. if there I uh, I have like my dad is a huge NASCAR fan, so I would maybe like even watch NASCAR because they're gonna start running like in the next couple weeks. No, just just because it's like a morsel of like I watched so many hours of the freaking NFL draft that I normally don't give a shit about because it was an actual sporting. Event. Oh yeah, for the first time ever in my life, I watched rounds two and three. I watched. You've never watched two and three. I've never watched rounds two and three. I watched watched round one. Most of day three. I watched it all, and I never do that ever. It was the only. It was the only live like new thing to do. Yeah. Other than that, it's just reruns of past playoff games and shit like that. So, which I've tuned into. Oh yeah, they're playing the uh, the Cleveland Indians twenty two game win streak right now. I'll be watching that every night. I watched uh, the Cavaliers 2016 finals. I've watched um, the NBA channel has been doing like random playoff games. I was watching like the, the Mavericks and Warriors from a decade ago. I was watching some Suns game. You, you know what I've really enjoyed too, as a fan of the NFL and as a, I guess, well, I have a degree in it, but as like a, a self-titled historian, I've really enjoyed Fox the past couple of weeks on Sundays doing their like greatest game series. Um, a couple of weeks ago, they were playing the Packers Patriots Super Bowl from like 97. And then there was, another, I, didn't see, I did not know they were doing that. It was like, a, there was a Packers Cowboys 
NFC Championship from nine, the 95 season was playing yesterday, like Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, and Brett Favre. And it like seeing old like 90s NFL games with people that you grew up watching was really I really enjoyed that like going further back than like a couple of years ago it's been really cool if I don't know the results I can watch it if I know the result it's not as interesting to me and I've watched more UFC in the past <laughs> month or two just because ESPN has been playing all these random pay-per-view events that you know I might know a fighter here or there I'm not a big UFC guy mm-hmm. but if I can put on some kind of sport and not know who's going to win the fight it's, it's interesting to me at least yeah yeah but mm. hey, quarantine's been really bad because I've at some points been watching uh, reruns of American Gladiators from the early '90s, and that's not that's not good. It's it's definitely a uh, that's rock bottom. The past so. you hit rock bottom. <laughs> that's rock bottom. American Gladiators reruns. I hit rock bottom before quarantine started. <laughs> <laughs> shit's just shit's you, just really bad. I think now. you hit rock bottom when that lemon tree came into play. <laughs> The lemon ceiling whore. Listen, <laughs> I don't mean to hype her up too much. But <laughs> you should really check her out. <laughs> oh, gosh. We've covered a lot of good stuff, guys. We have. Lots of good stuff. Lots of, uh, we went anywhere, everywhere from theaters to concessions to sporting events to uh, pornography, as we usually do. Which, I mean, really, that's... That's our whole range. There's nothing outside of those items you just listed. <laughs> no, no, that's uh, that was that was everything. Um, but uh, I think we should call it uh, call it in. Um, we'll have another episode. We'll probably record this week. I don't know. We'll see what uh, what we covered on. But uh, I'll go ahead and just edge the audience and not tell them what it'll be. <laughs> <laughs> Every episode, yeah, we'll come up with something good. Everything else. The, the edging is your your pineapple. It is. I, I've decided. I the thing is, you just have to be consistent. Consistency is key, and that's my thing. Consistently edging. Consistently <laughs> edging. I think that's the point. If I had that's a nickname, true. which I already do, it's Skyler. But my nickname within a nickname is Edge. I think that you should totally dump the Skyler name and just be Edge. That's way yeah. cooler. <laughs> I am your host, Edge. <laughs> Can I be Sex at Hardcastle then? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, we're going to go completely different. Correct. Like I'm going to be Lemon Tree. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, I'm kind of turned down now. But anyways, uh, I'm glad that uh, we were able to gather together in the uh, virtual world of uh, Disingenuous. And I look forward to speaking to you guys again in a couple days. Can't wait to be back at it again. Back at it again. <laughs> Bye.